Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, everybody. Welcome into an all-new episode of the Can We Please Talk podcast. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And I'm Nick Zaveri. Welcome into our year-ender show. We do this every year as we look back on 2022 and some of the fantastic guests, the topics that we covered on this show. Different issues are playing out right now as Nick and I are recording this in the news and politics space. That's got to wait. That's got to wait. Because you are with your family, your loved ones. You're celebrating the holiday season 2023, we'll cover those. First, we look back at 2022 and the year it was. It's been a great year for me personally and for Nick as well on this show. The future of this program and where it's heading to, we will discuss more in 2023. But first, Nick, 2022, what is a topic, a guest, something that you can think about off the top of your head that you really enjoyed that we covered on this program in 2022? You know, first thing comes to mind, just because I'm very passionate about print journalism and the power of good storytelling, critical storytelling, is about a story that most people I don't think has paid as much attention to, but those in the sports and um, sort of pop culture fields were paying attention to it. And that's the story of Brett Favre and what was going on with welfare funds in Mississippi and being able to direct them to, to a sports facility. Um, we talked to Anna Wolf at Mississippi Today, fantastic not-for-profit paper, who was the person who put that story out there. And one of the reasons she stands out to me was, 
you know, us and a few people did did right by her, to be honest, about featuring her, making sure her story was told and attributing it to her. Uh, in other cases, it ended up being talking points for other outlets where they would talk about her work, but not really attribute it. And you know, that's something that that gets to me a little bit because I think it's really important, especially in this day and age when print journalism is struggling to feature those who are telling those good stories. So Anna's some, someone that certainly comes to mind along with the story she shared on this show and, and her amazing writing about what's going on with welfare distribution funds in Mississippi. Yeah, it was kind of interesting from the very beginning. You know, again, we we were able to see that this company that was listed in the indictments was a company that Brett Favre was backing, but he wasn't the only athlete involved here. So we learned pretty early on that Marcus Dupree, um, if you've seen the 30 for 30 best best there never was, Marcus Dupree, um, uh, football player, uh, Paul Lacoste. Um, and these wrestlers, these former WWE wrestlers, uh, Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man and his sons were also involved in the welfare program and, um, you know, received funds that were supposed to go to Mississippi's neediest residents. And, you know, I think it's just an example of how Mississippi exalts celebrity and exalts athletes, uh, here, you know, we're, sort of the 50th and everything good. And, but one thing we do really well is we produce a lot of great athletes. And um, I think you saw those, those priorities kind of come through and how our welfare funds were spent. Um, but, you know, it all goes back to how flexible these funds are and how states are really allowed by the federal government to use them however they wish. And so when you think about like, why would Brett Favre be involved in the state's welfare program or why would public officials be interested in funneling money to a character like Brett Favre? You know, I think that um, the money was just there, you know, for the picking. So um, when Brett Favre came to them with these proposals of things he wanted to see funded, um, it was kind of a no brainer. You know, here's a, a pot of money that we can manipulate for our purposes. Yeah, I loved everything about Anna's reporting. You know, it's it's very... I wouldn't say it's rare now because it's becoming commonplace here on this show to have a great journalist on, but to have somebody who broke a story on a national scale about a Hall of Fame NFL player who we all know, we all watch the Wrangler jeans commercials, right? We see him throwing fake passes with fake friends on there in jeans, which everybody plays football in jeans, by the way, Nick. Um, and it's it's wild to have that reporter on and then see uh, with the other outlets that she went on, you know, she's on CNN, she was on MSNBC, she was on the Levitard show. Um, and all of that, in the midst of that, she's on Can We Please Talk, which kind of speaks to where we are right now as a program that uh, journalists have realized this is a safe haven to come tell a story about what it is that you're covering. Uh, bring the facts with you, bring, you know, your reporting with you. And I, I love it. You know, you and I, how how, how passionate we feel about uh, the state of current journalism and trying to help it along and, you know, paying it forward for the next generation. So shout out to Anna Wolf. And again, Mississippi Today is a nonprofit uh, organization. And so the reporting that they do there, it's not like a pay for paper. So pretty cool that, you know, they're covering this extensively. And she's the investigative journalist on this. And I love what you said, you know, uh, where that case is going to end up. We still don't know. As of this taping, we have no idea if anything's ever going to happen with Brett Favre uh, and the former governor who was helping him in some of this with the text exchange. But as that story continues, we'll continue to follow it along with Anna's great reporting in 2023. You know, for me, um, something that kind of comes to mind on this show, 
uh, has been what happened with uh, the protests in Iran, the killing of Masa Amini. Um, I love that we had, uh, speaking of another journalist, Kamen Mohammadi was on the program. She's an author. Um, she wrote a book about her family's you know, experience leaving in 1979 during the Iranian revolution. And she came on the program. I had reached out to her, finding her on social media when we were trying to cover this in the early stages of these protests that were happening in a country where you don't normally see this, right? You don't see protests to this magnitude because the government tends to sniff them out, unfortunately, and kind of, you know, blot them out with with blunt force. Um, and so she came on. I thought she did just a fantastic job. It's one of our most listened to episodes of 2022, really explaining what happened with Masa. She took you inside how Masa is actually from a similar town. I think actually the same town where she's from. And she really broke down everything for our audience, 30,000 foot view and these protests by the way are still going on they're still going on strong and and the government of iran is is brutally executing some of these protesters in 2023 we're going to do more about this but i just love listening to common really explain everything that happened with masa's uh police arrests torture killing and then why these protests are so passionate and kind of tying it in all together with her personal story she was taken by the morality police, which is something that we have in Iran, for bad hijab. Now, um, your listeners might know that in Iran, it's mandatory for women to be covered up, not our faces, but to have hair and body covered at all times. And mostly that has over the years been interpreted quite loosely sometimes. And they've been quite elaborate hairstyles. Now, every once in a while, they crack down on what they call bad hijab and um since April of last year, I believe, we've had a new president who's a hardliner called Ebrahim Rais. And he, um, th at the beginning, I think, of this summer, he cracked down on uh, the, the hijab laws. And that means that roaming the streets are people, troops of these morality police who are authorized to go up to, um, well, women and uh you know slap them in the face if they feel like it genuinely and 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 take them and say you know you have bad hijab now talking of bad hijab um Mahsa's hijab was relatively modest she just had a few strands of hair poking out she was nothing like some of the elaborate sort of fashionistas that you see in Tehran sometimes you know so just to say that she wasn't particularly a you know she wasn't extreme either they took her there's some footage I've seen of them talking to her and her crying you know I've had some tapes of her saying um pleading with them saying I'm, I'm so sorry I'm, I'm not from Tehran I'm from a small town I, I don't know what I've done wrong um they take her for what's called re-education um so they take her into custody and then the two her brother followed so we know this in the two hours that she was in custody um they presumably beat her so badly that she ended up in a coma. So she ends up in hospital in a coma. Um, and we have this extraordinary picture of her in ICU all sort of tubed up. And they say that she died of a stroke and a heart attack. Her family say she had absolutely no problems medically. She was 22 and perfectly healthy. And um, that there was lots of signs of bruising around her head and neck, presumably so. Uh, so they gave her... I have to say, allegedly, I suppose, a bad beating, she died. Um, she died and the protests went off and they started in Sakhez in Kurdistan, which is where she's from. Um, the protests went crazy in, in, in Kurdistan. 
they then were very brutally repressed in Kurdistan just in a matter of two days, I believe. Something like four or five people reported killed by the security forces, 250 people arrested. Um, however, people didn't stop. In fact, the protests spread. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This episode is brought to you by KitCaster. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. How do funded startup founders attract prospects and talent? Podcast interviews. How do entrepreneurs with exits find new deals? Podcast interviews. How do C-suite execs differentiate in crowded markets? Podcast interviews. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation. This episode of Can We Please Talk, as always, is presented by the good folks over at Fresh Roasted Coffee. Head to freshroastedcoffee.com today since 2009. These folks have been putting the good stuff out there in coffee and tea. You can head to freshroastedcoffee.com today as a Can We Please Talk listener. Enter in the promo code CANWEGET20 to get 20% off your first purchase. Nick, tell the people how good Fresh Roasted Coffee is. I say it enough, folks. If you are a coffee drinker, and of course you are a tea drinker, they got you covered. Go there. Take the quiz, learn about your flavor type, and get on this amazing train of goodness that is fresh roasted coffee. That's right. Freshroastedcoffee.com today. Promo code can we get 20 at checkout, 20% off your first purchase. Yeah, Mike, that's a that's a great episode to reference. Um, you know, as Americans, you know, we tend to think of Iran, we tend to think of the the Iranian Revolution the Iranian revolution in 1979, uh, the Shah, obviously, um, and perhaps most notably um, Ayatollah, Ayatollah Khomeini and uh, the regime under under him, um, and most notably um, Salman Rushdie. You know, I like you growing up uh, as fans of his work and familiar with this horrifying fatwa that had been placed on him for writing a book, you know, the satanic verses. Uh, and for so many years, I always just hung over his head and for many Americans, just being um, just really just uncomfortable with the idea that there's a country who target who targeted this person. Uh, and sadly, in most recently, um, that came to a head, you know, with an attack on Rushdie at a book reading. Uh, and this all connects to me because, you know, similar to what we're talking about with, with what's going on in Mississippi, this show, we're proud of the fact that we want to give a platform to people to shed light on stories that, you know, for most Americans, we hear in the periphery. You know, in the background a little bit, 
here we get a chance to really do a deep dive into that. And that's what Common's story was. Uh, and I'd recommend everyone to you know read what's going on right now, follow all the hashtags on social media, uh, and also read her book about her return back home to Iran uh, after her and her family left in 1979. You know, we're talking here about writers, and I, and I nerd out about this because the the next thing that comes to mind for me, one of my proudest moments this year was in was in D.C. and specifically our panel of print journalists uh, that we sat with, who I'm proud to now call friends of the show, but also just friends in general. We had a chance to hang out with them after the show and get to know them even more so. Uh, but what we talked about was really the current state of print journalism, and they sure and you know Sabrina. Um, you know, Idris, uh, Jimena, you know, they all brought to light some really important things that we don't, we often as media consumers, and I'll use myself as an example, don't pay attention to, which is who really sets the stage for coverage. You know, we tend to think that the individual writers who present to us are the ones that really dictate the terms. You know, they help to shape, you know, the view that we understand. And sometimes it's not that. There's other market demands that shape their reporting. And they did a great job of taking us under under the tent to that, but also what's happening in the world of print journalism in 2022. Yeah, we played a clip earlier of the former president talking about, you know, government officials. But that same president's also been very critical of the media. You know, we've heard terms like fake news and all kinds of ways of demonizing the work that you've all done and many of your colleagues have done. Where do you assess the state of journal American journalism as of today? Idris, why don't you take that first? Because American journalism, as somebody born outside. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, you almost have to like, have different silos for different types, electronic, print. Um, I have never been very fond of electronic uh, or TV um, journalism, not because it's bad. It just has to be short and everything's boiled down. Um, Me too. Yeah, so um, I am not as uh, optimistic about that because I, I feel like, things are just so simplified, it sort of misses the nuances um, on, on really important issues, in particular national security and foreign policy. More optimistic about print journalism because I think so many things that we saw during the Trump administration, which are still coming out, are investigative journalists bringing them out. And you know, I, you know what we're seeing sort of on the January 6th commission, a lot of it is them bringing out stuff that was reported on at the time, so yeah. Mena, what about you? Yeah, I mean, that's always really tough because I like I am in a very fortunate position where I can do radio and broadcast and I can also do print. But like I literally turned in a 2000 word story on baby formula yesterday and my editor was like, we can't. No one's going to read this. And I'm like, but they should. And he's like, no, they won't, though. And so that's that's like really tough is you're you're competing not just with everyone else, you know, to get the story out, but with people's attention spans as well, which leads to a lot of other problems like how do you promote your news stories how do different editors promote news stories and you know before we started taping we were talking about just local news and the state of local news you know I started in local news at the Idaho Statesman that was one of my first jobs and I did local TV news as well like on the production side and I mean it it's really tough like the wages are really low the um, in, the income for for reporters are really low for producers but Sometimes people don't always subscribe to that. They don't always read that. And in a lot of places, subscription is still what's driving a lot of the revenue, not ad sales anymore. So it's kind of really tough to look at that. Sabrina, what about you? Because you wrote a fantastic piece that we had you on a while back, that one in Political, where you were covering the border. And obviously some of the political theater around it, specifically from one side of the political aisle. 
your thoughts on the current state of journalism, like Nick mentioned? I mean, I think one of my biggest frustrations is is the fact that there are so many amazing journalists doing amazing work, and what gets prioritized is sometimes a little out of our control. So, for example, at at, at a publication I worked at in the past, it doesn't really matter the name. It's I, when I worked at Politico, but when I work at the Post, it doesn't matter. It's not a criticism of any of the places. I'm just thinking of like specifically when we worked at Politico together, where there's a huge focus on the political story of the day. There's a huge story, a huge focus on okay, what did Biden say today? What did he do? Um, oh, what did Trump say? What did Trump do? And there's hundreds of reporters there that are covering policy and are covering baby formula. And if baby formula is not the top headline of the day, that does not mean that there's not 10 people that are paying attention to it and that are following it and are covering it. And I think that's something that, especially with like Twitter brain and like seeing like social media, people will be like, nobody's paying attention to this issue. And then they're linking to a story that someone wrote about that issue. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten, this network's not covering it. And then I send them a screenshot of the network covering it. Oh, well, I've never seen that. It's well, like, well, because it's 24 hours a day. You don't watch it 24 yeah, hours a day. Yeah, and, and I do understand. I mean, the frustration is that it's not getting enough attention, that something is getting more attention than that. Um, but that's sometimes, like, that's out of the control of a lot of us right. as reporters. Like, we would love to prioritize. I want my story to be at the top of the page every day if that were up to me. Yeah, I love that we had our first live show. Many more coming up in 2023, but... Loved what we did in D.C. Again, uh, you can go check that out on YouTube, the two parts. First part with uh, Marie Harf and Pete Lapp, former government officials. We actually were supposed to have Olivia Troy, too, on the program, but she just got stuck in transit uh, coming there from New York to D.C. after doing CNN. But um, we had the journalists, like you mentioned, Sabrina, Idris, Jimena, go follow them across social media. Sabrina's every other chance she's on MSNBC or CNN on some journalist roundtable with either John King or on Alicia Menendez's program. Jimena Bustillo is all over the NPR podcast. If you listen to any of the NPR podcasts like I do, you know, NPR Politics podcast, uh, NPR News Now, um, she's on, you know, Consider This. She's everywhere across the NPR family of podcasts. So you can go check her out. And Idris's work, you know, I, he mentioned there in the piece about how he likes long form journalism, because especially in matters of foreign policy, you know, and, and international issues, it's easier to articulate in a longer format than it is in these bite sized short morsels. So Idris does great work. You know, we've had Idris on a few times on the program and the Afghanistan episode, again, one of our another most listened to episode. And you you get you kind of sensing a trend here. It's like issues that happen internationally it was specifically the withdrawal in afghanistan the protests in iran um they get to tend they tend to get a lot more listeners a lot more engagement because it's we come at it from a place of curiosity knowledge right we want to learn more and educate the audience well it's it's turning into views and listens so shout out to all of them like you said they have all become friends and uh i i love all the work that they do and by the way in that live show in D.C., in the audience, a uh, reporter from the L.A. Times, a reporter from Axios, a reporter from USA Today. Like, it was just great to see, like, afterwards, like you were mentioning, we were talking with, you know, maybe 10, 12, 13 journalists from across different outlets that all just happened to be there as well. Because, you know, they've heard about the show and they know uh, of, of Sabrina Dries and Jimena's work. So amplifying journalism uh, and, and the voices that are covering it right now, doing a great job. I'm all for that. Uh, one of the milestones that we've hit on this show in 2022, and we're going to keep going in 2023 with a bunch more, 
is members of Congress. Um, you know, you and I, Nick, have been talking about this, like the next step for legitimacy in this show, or at least perceived legitimacy is talking to people that actually impact the change, right? That can put pen to paper, write legislation, work across the aisle, and then bring these up uh, to, the, to the floors of the House and Senate and get people to vote on them. Um, and this is what, you know, your constituents vote you in for, right? To do things like this. Well, the first one we had on was Representative Seth Moulton. He's a Democrat out of Massachusetts. And I thought Seth was great. Um, you know, he has been in Congress since 2014. Um, his district, he, he won again for reelection this past year. And, you know, he came on the program and was really honest about what bipartisanship should look like, why he ran in 2014 on a platform of, hey, we need to pass more legislation than just what my incumbent did one bill in 18 years that he was in office because he refused to work with other people on the outside of the aisle. And the best answer that he gave was also about the nonsensical things that people on the other side of the aisle, when he's trying to work in good faith, some of the ones that he wouldn't work with, right? Like a Ted Cruz. Uh, I just thought Representative Moulton is really, he embodies that, that middle that we're trying to look for here, that political middle in this country where nobody wants to be on the far, far left because they think the government will just spend way too much. Nobody wants to be on the far, far right because they're loony birds and they're incredibly racist, right? But people want to be in this moderate leaning middle and actually just get down to policy and have healthy debates about where that nets out. And I think Representative Moulton really represents that. And I'm excited to see his political future going forward. I mean, it's a great question, right? This, why, why can't Democrats get a better message out? Because, you know, we seem to be the perennial people who are doing the right thing, including for a lot of folks uh, who are voting for Trump, a lot of people in middle America who, you know, only really get helped when Democrats pass legislation to lower health care costs, when Democrats pass legislation to improve their infrastructure, where, when Democrats support housing and education, which Republicans are always trying to cut. So we clearly have to improve our messaging. I, I think a lot of this is about relatability. You know, we've got to talk in kitchen table terms. We've got to be honest about the we weren't we weren't honest about inflation for a long time. You know, we kept saying, oh, it's transitory. It's going to go away. I mean, people who are trying to buy a loaf of bread and seeing the price go up in the middle of Arkansas, they don't care what transitory means. They just want to see prices go down. They want to be able to afford things. Or they want to see their wages go up. So I think we've got to talk in much more real terms about the economic challenges that people are think are, are facing. I also think we've got to recognize that, you know, not everybody in America is as woke as the left wing of the Democratic Party wants them to be. And it doesn't mean that everybody in America who's not super woke is a bad person. If we want to represent the majority of Americans, if we want to be the majority party, we've got to represent them too. Nick, um, for 2022, it's been fantastic. Like I mentioned, so much good stuff that has happened. Now let's shift to 2023. Uh, what is some unplanned here as this part of the program? What is, who is somebody that you would like to talk to in 2023? Or what are some topics that you're hearing from listeners of the show, people that have texted you and said, hey, you know, you guys should cover this. You guys should cover it because we've talked about this before. We get a lot of that. And a lot of the times it's like, hey, this was already planned and this is who's coming on the program. But what are what are some things in 2023 that you're excited to talk about? 
Yeah, I, it is a it's a pretty lengthy list. Um, you know, um, there's a the who that comes to mind here is um, I think about new Democratic leadership. You know, for the soon to be House minority, specifically Hakeem Jeffries. If you're asking me to wish list this for a moment, he's certainly on my list. Uh, and he came out recently, guns blazing, just talking about um, House majority leadership with what's going on with Republicans. That spins out into, for me, one of the things I'm really interested in is as Republicans take leadership now of the House, as Seth Moulton had put forward, you know, Representative Moulton, um, how serious are they? They're, we're very early in the stage of you know, getting a House majority leader identified, but there seems to be a lot of things going on on the right that just seems, to be blunt, there's a very real possibility we're going to see folks like Marjorie Taylor Greene or Lauren Boebert as you know, being placed on committees um, and in positions of authority as as thank yous from the far right. And and that's troubling because I, I agree with uh, Representative Moulton that these are not serious people, which then makes me think that 23 and going into the 2024 presidential election, what congressionally will get done? Um, like him or don't like him, we've seen a lot of things happening from the Biden administration, especially over the last couple of months. What happens now? when Congress is going to be at least one part of Congress is just not um, seemingly willing to play ball. So congressionally, this is sort of the picture I'm painting for myself. What I'm really interested in, specifically the person I'd love to talk to if we can, would be Representative Hakeem Jeffries. That's interesting. Um, yeah. And, and listen, we we will note that on the list that will be on the Nick Savary wish list. Uh, I'm going to go in the opposite direction, to be honest with you. I've mentioned this a bunch on the program. I don't want to do confrontational journalism. You know, we've talked about this like a Lauren Boebert. I, we're not inviting Lauren Boebert on the show for what? That Zoom call will be about three minutes long and and we'll eventually hang up on her. Um, but I do want to get to the root of it, specifically in person, because I think this is easier with a, a Republican member of Congress. Um, I'm thinking of a few and, and some that we will reach, will reach out to. We reached out to Tim Scott a while back ago to have him on the program when he was doing his book tour. Um, so I think in 2023, we will actually have a few more voices. Again, someone that is living in this ethos, this universe of fact fiction. I can't live in, I can't live in the conspiracy theory lane. I don't want to live in there. We're not going to have you know Matt Gates on and Jim Jordan. I'm not going to do that. Uh, that's not what the goal of this show is. Inform and educate two words that uh, would fly over both of those guys' heads. And I and I don't need to have that on this program. And I don't think our listeners want to hear that. They want to hear authenticity. And I'm not going to sit through an interview with any of those folks. But having a member of Congress like a Mitt Romney, uh, who we have back channeled too, um, having somebody like that, and specifically a sit down interview, an in person interview. To be able to talk about a couple of different issues that are coming up in 2023, we see a bunch of Supreme Court cases that are coming up in 2023 that people are going to start looking to Congress to see if they can codify some legislation around it. And it's going to be tough because one house, the house has a slim majority for the Republicans, very slim majority for the Democrats in the Senate. There's going to be a lot of stallmates, not going to be enough votes to reach to, to get some legislation passed. Uh, and so I'm interested to see what bipartisanship looks like um, from from my own eyes, sitting and talking with members of Congress uh, on the record, uh, as we have done already with a few that we've had on the program. The other thing is, you know, live show. We, we loved doing that D.C. live show. We had a lot of fun. Uh, shout out to the crowd. Shout out to City Tap House out in D.C. 
Though you didn't sponsor on the show, we'll give you a pass this time around. Uh, but uh, we'll, in 2023, for sure, uh, when we do a couple of cities tours that we'll be announcing in the coming months, I definitely want to do more live shows, get out there, meet more people, more Q&A. We had a good time playing some games as well on that live show. So it will be a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm excited to get back out on the road and kind of see our fans and our audience and the people that listen to this show. Uh, one more for Mr. Severi as we sign off here for the 2022 year ender. Well, as you said about live shows, I'm with you. I'm super excited about it. Uh, I do have to press you here, though, Mike, as you're teasing that out. If you could think of some locations where you'd like, can we please talk to be on the road? What what are some that come to mind for you? Oh, well, dang, well, what a curveball here. Okay. Uh, that, that's a great curve. That's a great question. Well, I mean, for me, the big cities are always a, a, a big treat, right? Like New York, uh, LA. I would love to do Austin, something in Texas. Um, you know, we've had a bunch of Texas guests on the program, correspondents from the Texas Tribune, Wall Street Journal, El Paso Times. Uh, my sister lives in the state, so you can kill two birds with one stone. So it would be a lot of fun to hit up. A, and our producer, Tim, by the way, is down there uh, in Austin. So it would be a lot of fun to to do a show uh, in Texas. And, and again, there's a there's a perfect example of, you know, you and I and what this show is perceived politically going to a state like Texas and doing a program and then closing it out with having a sitting member of either the state legislature down there, the governor himself, Governor Abbott, like doing something like that in a show format where we can get people on the record, ask the questions the way you and I know how to do it. Those are a couple of the cities that come to mind. I'm excited. Maybe even, by the way, international. We've had a lot of people across the pond and our neighbors to the north that listen to the program. Shout out to the folks in Canada, in London, in the UK, uh, people all around the world that have listened to this program. Kamen Mohammadi, who's in Italy, shout out to her. Uh, so I'd be interested to do maybe even a, a can we please talk trip across the pond. But that will be for another time because in 2023, we're excited to bring you more great content and an announcement in the beginning month the beginning month of January, an announcement about the future of this program, where we will be headed, same RSS feeds, same bat time, same bat channel, great programming, but just going to be a little bit more amplified. You're going to hear a lot more of me and Nick and the masses we will start to reach. Uh, first off, my thank yous to Nick Saveri for this two-year journey. Couldn't do it without you, buddy. It's been fantastic. Shout out to the video platforms like YouTube that house our content and all the people that leave some of those amazing comments on our YouTube channel. You type in, can we please talk? Please hit the subscribe button while you're typing in those amazing comments. Shout out to our audio podcast platforms that host us uh, from Acast and then the ones out there where you listen to it on Apple, Spotify, Google, Good Pods, et cetera. Follow us across IG, TikTok, Twitter at Can We Please Talk Podcast on Twitter at Can We Please Talk. We can't do it without each and every one of you that listens to this program. I'm so grateful that Nick and I get to put on a show for each and every one of you uh, twice a week. And we will see you in 2023. As always, I am Mike Leon. So grateful for every listener, for every commenter, um, friends of ours, family of ours who have approached us to want to talk about the show and celebrate the show uh another successful year is wrapped up it is dedicated to all of you um but most importantly to my partner in crime mike leon who uh is truly the engine of this show uh the spark that keeps us 
alive that keeps us going that keeps us hungry um i am indebted to you forever man this has been an incredible journey and i always uh am grateful for from a series of text exchanges to well what do you think about dot 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 and um feeling comfortable saying yes because i said yes to someone i trust and and to a friend and i'm excited and proud of the the work we've done but 2023 is going to be huge folks we 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 keep teasing it, and but we're going to tell you why soon. So um, for those of you who continue to ride with us, 2023 is a huge year uh, for Can We Please Talk. So we are grateful to all of you. I'm, of course, grateful to Mike. I'm grateful to uh, anyone who has um, cheered us on along the way. I'm Nick Saberi. We'll see everybody next time. Enjoy your holiday. Happy New Year to each and every one of you. And we'll see you in 2023. Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.